I am your host, Alex Sanchez. And I'm Trevor Barreca. And when, when we come together, we make, make Sooner Catholic Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the Sooner Catholic Podcast. Today we talk about how to live Advent with St. Joseph. If you weren't at Holy Grounds yesterday, here's a quick recap. So we talk about St. Joseph being uniquely chosen by God to, to image the face of the Father to Jesus. We also talk about his vocation as husband, that he's married to a sinless perpetual version. So how does St. Joseph live, live Advent? He lives through these three primary ways, through love, through humility, and through presence. So Joseph, he loves Mary on her terms. Because she is a perpetual virgin, she's consecrated fully to the Lord. He loves her on her terms within their marriage. Secondly, Joseph is, is humble. Yet he realizes that he's completely unworthy of the call that he's received to, to be married to Mary and, and to raise Jesus. And so he, he wants to leave quietly. Yet the angel comes to him in a dream and says, do not have fear. The third is presence. Joseph is not preoccupied with himself. He doesn't escape or endure the circumstances of his life. He embraces them. He's totally available to Mary and to Jesus. So with, with this kind of breakdown and what I talked to you about just a little bit ago, Trevor, what, what sticks out to you from, from these three or, or just from St. Joseph in general? Yeah, uh, I think the one maybe, well, all of them in different ways, obviously, have um, a lot of merit to like ponder for our lives. But I think in a particular way, presence, I think, and if if you know me, you know this is something I talk about a lot, but I think presence is one that is um, particularly difficult to live in our culture um, and one that I think we can take St. Joseph as a model for because, yeah, like I'm, we were talking before this, Alex, and you were talking about how um, you're imagining like Joseph like walking out of the room, you know, whenever, like after the birth of Jesus, right before and like checking a text from a friend or something like that. And basically how unimaginable that is to most of us because we conclude like that, that's not the virtue that Joseph would have displayed. And so I think this idea of presence being displayed by Joseph is something that like St. Joseph is so, yeah, like difficult for me to wrap my head around. Um, like it's almost seems like a, like an impossibly high standard of virtue, even though like I know the Lord desires like to, to, to grow me in that place and to help me. Um, yeah. And I think particularly like what makes it so difficult is that, um, we live like, especially college students and, and people in ministry um, live very like fragmented, right, uh, days. So, you know, we, we spend an hour chunk here and then an hour chunk here and then two hour chunk here. And then we forget about this appointment and this thing. And, and this is like the life of both college students and I think people that work around college students. Um, and so I think like, and spend time with college students. And so I think what I'm saying is this idea of being present, it almost requires like a couple things, I think. One, a level of like, contentedness with the Lord and your identity, like not being worried about disappointing someone. Um, that's one I often fall into, right? I'm checking my phone because I'm worried that I'm going to like let someone down or I've forgotten something. But I think too, it requires a level of like, um, almost like being preoccupied with the, the one thing that God has given you most to love in that moment. And obviously for St. Joseph, that is, um, the blessed Virgin and, and the child Jesus. Yes. Yeah, so I think that one is like, maybe the hardest for me to wrap my head around just because I see the gap like so, so large between my ability, even to be present, like in our time together, in times I get with Ken's or in times I get with other people, like it's, it's so hard. It seems to, to be fully present. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Do you, yeah. do you see this as being one that's particularly um, like difficult for people to grow in like this, this 
this ability to be present completely to God's like um, task of loving um, whoever's in front of us. Do you think that this one is particularly difficult in our culture? How so? Yeah, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think one thing I was sharing last night on on this note was because um, everyone's kind of answered during the breakout session was like that all three, all three like resonated with everybody and they, they're like, yeah, I think it's really intertwined. And, and an example that came to mind with how, how love and presence are combined and, and in particular the way that the author describes it is is that when I recognize in myself that when I fail to love someone on their terms, then I withdraw my presence. And so like those two are connected. Like so when I'm loving someone well on their terms and they're able to receive love and, and I and I know that and I feel that that I'm loving someone well, then, then I embrace like the situation in the person. But so like, for example, like if I'm spending time with my son and, and we're playing a game, and all of a sudden he has kind of like a meltdown or gets angry or whatever. And I have an option there to like love him on, on his terms and say, you know, like, is, is everything okay? Like what's wrong? And if I love him on my terms, and I'm like, Oliver, like you need to say sorry. Or Oliver, you need to go to the corner. Or you know that's not right. Like somehow correcting him or, or, or you know, being kind of strict with him. And then what happens is, is if he doesn't relent or apologize or whatever, then I'll withdraw my presence and say, okay, Oliver, I'm, I'm not going to play with you if you're going to do that. And I see myself doing that, like in other situations where, like, I'll have, yeah, time with the again with with Hillary or whatever, and we'll we'll get into some kind of situation where, again, I feel like, am I am I being selfless here, and loving her on her terms, or am I just being fallen and and asking her to to conform to me, either through guilt trip or cold shoulder or whatever it is of like some kind of form of not accepting her as she is and and not loving her on her terms. And then what will happen is I'll end up escaping, right? So even though I'm very, they're like in, you know, physically, I'm not there mentally. I'll be checking my phone or I'll be thinking about something else. Um, so I see like the, the way that those two, like if I am loving someone well on their terms, then I will be present and embrace it. Um, and then if I'm not, then I'll escape. I think the same could be set up for, for most people is, mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. if you're loving like your family, whoever it is on their terms, um, that's it, it's like authentic, it's received well. And then there, there is no need to escape. Like there's no need to be distracted or preoccupied with something else. But I think when we sense that gap of like, yeah, you know what? That tone I took with that with my mom or whatever is a little bit harsh. Or I was sarcastic with my dad and I didn't need to be. And slowly I think we kind of feel ourselves kind of like just be pulled somewhere else. You know, like not not want to be totally available there because we're not loving the way that we need yeah. to. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's like I, I was actually just praying about this yesterday because I notice in myself sometimes a tendency to uh, – like the example I'm thinking of specifically is there's a guy I saw um, at mass and I knew that he had asked me to do something that I uh, failed to like fall through on. Mm. Right. So I wasn't, I wasn't being honest and like a good, like I had said like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'll figure that out. Um, I didn't commit to anything necessarily like a result, but I said at least that I would inquire and I've like struggled with like coming back to him with what I found uh, because what I found, I knew he wouldn't like. Right. So I've just kind of wanted to avoid the guy. Um, And what's been hard or what's hard about it is like it's what you're saying is like because I wasn't able to love like on their terms like yes. just being willing to like meet him in, in, in the request of like what he asked for mm-hmm. I fought myself like like shirking the other way and like not wanting to say hi like kind of like avoiding eye contact like I would stay longer to pray <laughs> because I wouldn't want to you know I, I mean this is I'm, yikes um, but this is real but yeah but I think I, I see what you're saying and that's like a small example yeah. Uh, but yeah it definitely happens with uh, Mackenzie all the time like the times that you know, we're just not clicking, and so I just want to—I just want to escape. I just yeah. want to like redraw, withdraw my presence because I feel like there's a gap in my ability to love, um, and I—I I don't like being 
in a place where I feel inadequate in some way to love. And so I want to just go to somewhere that I feel like at least like, you know, if I'm watching a YouTube video, like it doesn't ask anything of me and I don't, I don't have to like, mm-hmm. I, I can just be there. Um, and there's, there's not like a demand being imposed upon me. Whereas love by nature always is imposing a demand. It, and again, it's not like a, like a, like a, I don't know, like the demands of love are worth it. And we know this and that that's a whole nother topic, but like love does place demands. And so I think it's like, yeah, uh, it's so much easier to withdraw the presence. And and, so and there's so many more escapes. I think this is the point I'm talking about with the culture. There's so many things to run to. I think that's where it becomes really problematic because you have to like realize that it's not even about like um, cutting off the – I think we were just talking about this the other day. It's not even about like getting rid of the social media because you'll just replace – I mean, that is a good step for a lot of people. But oftentimes you'll just replace it with another yeah. escape or another presence or another place to like withdraw your presence to. And so it's almost like that, that, uh, it's like, it's like taking out, like, you know, whenever you're, you, you see like a weed and it's like cutting off the top part. And so it's level with the other grass, but not pulling out the roots. Um, so it's like, you can't tell anymore that it's there, but there's still like something growing. that's going to come right back. Right. Um, I think that's, yeah, it really resonates with me what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. And that's, that's even like prevalent in like psychological research. There's something called cross addiction, right? So like, it's essentially just replacing one addiction with another, and something that like any any counselor that's going like that that specializes in in like substance abuse or alcoholism or whatever knows that cross addiction is is just prevalent like that's just how people cope is to replace one addiction with another and so I, there's something here too that when you're when you're sharing your example of like making this commitment and then feeling like you were failing or whatever not wanting to face him i totally resonated with it and it made me think of adam and eve like that, that it follows the same pattern of love humility and presence that they are intertwined so like Adam and Eve failed to love God on, on his terms, which is to not eat of the fruit of the tree because they lack humility and don't know truly who they are and who God is. Then, then they withdraw their presence from him, you know? And I think that that is like, it's kind of like the, the whole like step by step of like, this is like the path of virtue and also the path of, of vice. Like if we fail to love someone on their terms, then we either begin like to use them or to become angry with them. We lose sight of what is true of who we are, who they are. And the reality of our lives, so we lose that sense of humility, and then often we withdraw our presence either through escaping into something or just kind of white knuckling it, which yeah. both both don't bear fruit. I just like what's so crazy is just like okay, we, you know I've talked about this before, but I love it. I always go back to it, which is like the the top down, bottom up, and so we know when like top down is like the knowledge that in in the, like theology that we know about who God is and who he's made us to be. So we know that, that we're made to love and to be humble and to be fully present and, and integrated. And then the bottom up experiences that we have, like in life, like they don't, they don't really show that. Like, like we don't, we don't live that well, but there's something about St. Joseph of like, he, he's not a top down. Like he's not, he's not like this theology that's like revealed by God. He was, a, he was a real person who embraced like the circumstances of his life. And so I think for me, there's something of like this advent. I really do want to, yeah, take heart in difficult situations because it's kind of like what you said of like sometimes I'm so like discouraged or in dismay by my own like how far I am away from this or I'm like mm-hmm. Joseph and I have nothing in common other than we were both married and had a kid like I'm like there's not like there's not like an ounce of virtue that I have that, that he had and I, and I really feel that sometimes but then and, and even like when I was leading the Holy Ground talk I was like man who literally who am I to talk about St. Joseph like I don't have a huge devotion to him like I um, yeah, I'm not like some St. Joseph expert. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not always, you know, 
praying with St. Joseph's life or meditating on it. Like literally who am I to talk about this? And, and yet I think it was like, because of that, like even I felt even more inspired to do it. Cause it's like, yeah, it's not coming from me. It's not, it like truly it is a grace that like, like that I'm not self-reliant, but instead I would be like reliant on the Lord and on St. Joseph's example. So I think this is the time, like, especially when we, when we begin to see those gaps in, in our life of how we feel called to live versus how we're living. And it seems truly just like an, an immeasurable gap of like, there's no way I can bridge this gap with any kind of mm-hmm, virtue mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that in those times to really supplement prayer with like St. Joseph, like pray for me, St. Joseph, let me be inspired by your witness of how you profoundly embrace father and husband for your lifetime. Um, let me be inspired by that. So yeah, there's yeah. I think something there. I want to just continue to go back to St. Joseph over this Advent yeah. in those three ways. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think this is like, I think the one beautiful thing about St. Joseph again, and, and I don't have like a deep devotion to him as well, I would say. Um, but the one thing, and, and times that I have reflected on St. Joseph, the one thing that's always stood out to me is like with other characters um, in, the, in the narrative of salvation, like, other, you know, you have a little bit more like you hear their voice a little bit more, mm-hmm. right? Like distinctly. Uh, and obviously St. Joseph is famously like doesn't say a word in the New Testament. What I think is beautiful about that is it gives you a chance to really like see yourself in him. Um, it's not it's not that like other characters don't because that, I think that's the goal of, as we grow with scripture to be able to pray with it and see ourselves in the different characters involved. But I think in a particular way, St. Joseph becomes a, a mode for us to do that because again, he he has this like, this kind of like strong presence that like, it's almost like that, you know, you think of like the strong silent type. I don't know, like you hear that. <laughs> Like the fact that like he doesn't say a word, but you know that like he had to have such an integral role in the development of Jesus. Like you said, you know that he had to have like, um, yeah, loved Mary well. And like the ways that he, even in the actions that he takes, like are, is, is a demonstration of complete love. Like I'm, I'm imagining like scenes from the scripture and just like how I would have reacted. Like how would I have reacted if I had learned that the woman that I was betrothed to like was with child, you know, and I, and I didn't know like how that could happen or how would I have reacted when, I'm, I'm, I'm on this, this journey and, and, and my wife like gives birth in a cave, you know, and, and there's no room for me to end. Like the, the thing we, we meditated on last week or how would I, I reacted? And in none of these places, it's an indication that he reacted out of like some outburst or something like right. that. And so I think, I think it's just beautiful to like, to meditate on like, what, like, how did this man become this way? Like what, what was the, like the relationship we had with our Lord that gave him the virtue necessary to do that? Um, yeah, I think that's that's the the beauty of Saint Joseph is you almost get this like the sense in which all of us um, are being called into like his silence, but also his like imitation of of the Father um, to become the Father to to Jesus. On, on that on that thread, I, in thinking about realizing that he didn't say anything that's recorded in Scripture, not that he didn't talk, but that he didn't say anything that was recorded in Scripture, I just was like thinking. And this can be like the last point that we do that we that we cover. But like, what what do you think that he might have said? Because I was thinking the other day of like something he he probably didn't say is what kind of what we hear often, which is like Jesus. You know, education is the most important thing. You know, and 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 Jesus. You know, go go. You know, make sure that you you know do something that that puts the sacrifice that your mom and I made for you in in you know, is, is kind of gives back to society or, you know, kind of like those like cliche, like kind of fatherly things that we can hear over time. Um, and I just was like thinking, like, we know all the things that, you know, like maybe a modern day dad would might say 
that just kind of falls short of like what that real image of the father would look like. What what are things that you think that Joseph maybe even like would have would have said that really represents like the the heart of of God the Father? Kind of like in like the intimacy of like those like you know like late night or like under the stars or like he's working they're working together in the, in the shop or having dinner together like as a as a father who leads the family as a protector provider just like a also man who's like gentle and meek and humble and wise and virtuous like what is something like you, you think maybe out of his wisdom or his love for Jesus that he might have even just like spoke to him as his father dang the heavy hitter um yeah as you were talking about that the first image I just had in my brain was um I'm imagining like Joseph building a table and then like instructing Jesus how to do it right like like working him through the technical aspects of how it happens and um, gathering the supplies needed and showing him the right way to you know to put the nails and the screws in and to like to put it all together and make it look you know beautiful and and to make it sturdy and, and to provide a place and I'm just imagining him like almost like when you think of like the dad teaching the son the golf swing right where it's like he's like standing there and like holding the club with him it's just this image of joseph doing that with jesus and then like jesus like doing it and looking at his dad like for approval or looking looking at saint joseph for um acknowledgement and saint joseph looking at him with love and, and like being like son like that's amazing um it looks so good and, and i'm so proud of you and i'm proud of like your ability to, to do that um and i think that's an image that like man doesn't isn't that doesn't that strike the heart of every son mm-hmm. that like he desires for his dad to be proud of him um to to look at the things that he's doing with with uh with love and with just like an incredible like satisfaction in his son and satisfaction in who his son is becoming um i don't know i just see that like yeah. that simplicity of just being like son i'm so proud of you that's a, um that's yeah i don't know that i don't know if that's exactly like all the words that he would say but yeah. and maybe there's more but that's that's like the image of like how I picture St. Joseph just like looking at Jesus with that and knowing like, I don't know. I think the reason that often we, we don't say those words, um, the reason that often that like, you know, picturing him like that, like it's almost an image of like a loving father um, is, is I think um, fathers can become very distracted and very preoccupied with the ways that they, again, going back to the start, they feel like there's a gap in their ability to love their family and all the ways they're failing. And so, um, they start to like treat their family in a way that's not in concurrent with the reality and the withdrawal. And, yeah. I, and I think like, I'm just imagining Joseph like just being so secure, which is like, imp- again, going back to how impossible it is, it's almost impossible to conceive of like how, how would he be secure in his identity as like a beloved son of God when he's literally tasked with like yeah. raising the son of God. And again, perpetually like married to a, a, an ever virgin sinless wife. Like, I'm just, I feel like if there was any man who had reason to question his own worth, it would be Joseph and mm-hmm. just picturing him saying those words. I don't know. What are some words that so you see? I love this. I love this as a, as a last point of reflection. I think I, I kind of teared up when you're describing that just because of how beautiful and true it is, I think, to the heart of, of the father and of a father and fatherhood. Um, an image that kind of came to mind was just like when you were talking was was like like one one like late night where where – like Joseph just pulls Jesus aside when, when Mary's like gone to sleep and they're just spending like the father, father, son time. And they're just like talking and Joseph is just like talking about how much he loves Mary and just like, you know, I love, I love your mom so much. 
and that Joseph and like Jesus just like feels so safe and so secure and like so inspired by the way he like his father talks about his mom of like mm-hmm. like you know like your mom and I have been on like this this journey with you and I just want you to know like how much like I'm thankful for her and how much I love her and there's just something that like I think would be so peaceful to a, a son just to hear like man not not only are you secure in my love for you but like you should be secure in, in my love for your mom mm-hmm. and so there's just something beautiful there too I think those are really I think those are, yeah, those are just gifts to, to think about and to share. So yeah. thanks for answering that question. Yeah, it's a, a good question. A good cue. Uh, all right. Gosh, okay. On that note, Joseph being the being the face of the Father to Jesus, I think also to us, even just in that, in that meditation, um, yeah, I just want to leave you guys with that. If when you go back home or if you are back home, to look at these three things, love, humility, presence, what is something that, that you – really feel like you could use Joseph's intercession in, in the way that you are with your family. Um, and then just in, in addition, maybe maybe you can spend some time meditating on what would this image of Joseph interacting with Jesus and Mary have been like? What what are things that he might have said as as an extremely good father? All right. Uh, Trevor, any, let me know the last things you have, brother. Y'all prepare your souls for, for Jesus coming this, this Christmas because I think he wants to be born again in your heart too. Amen. Thank you guys again. This again, this is Sooner Catholic Podcast. And next week, we're actually going to be interviewing Father Jim Goins, our very own pastor here. We're really excited about that. So stay tuned and, and thank you guys for, for listening. We do this for you, baby. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.